Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before God, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. Let in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, selfishness, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, at the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. I present this service into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. My dear friends, I, we, are glad to see you all. We were away for two weeks, and of course I want to say once again, uh, thanksgiving to God that we, I, am partakers of the Church of Christ and the chosen remnant of God that is presented in the face of the Good Wife that has the quality of these narrow gates. And, of course, there is a big difference when you look at service on TV and when you are here uh, in real life, when you're present, there's a big difference in that you know that there are gathered the saints of God, the children of God, and it's unique when we turned on, for example, at a big screen and that hotel that we were found in. And it was interesting to pay attention to how saints gather. We looked at how saints gather. And this is so wonderful. And you know that you can't be there. And of course, it's difficult for people to understand when he has an opportunity to be, he's a few miles away from church. It's difficult for him to understand how he sees saints when he is in service. But this is a great privilege, a privilege to be in the church of God and to hear the word of God, having been found here, directly here in this place of worship. So sometimes we need to go through this small experience in order to begin to value the church, to cherish living fellowship, living communication. And you understand that there are no other reasons in order to remain at home. There are no reasons. Okay, let us read Matthew chapter 5, verses 45 and 48. 
so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This promised commandment is written in the book of Matthew and is presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arcadi. It is the inheritance of saints of all time, and this commandment is addressed by Christ to his disciples. Therefore, those who do not accept the authority of the person sent by God have no relation whatsoever to the inheritance of this commandment. We have stopped to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a person that is expressed in the ability to clothe one's essence into the holy or the selective love of God. As it is written in Colossians chapter 3, verses 14 through 15, But above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be friendly. According to these words, uh, the rule of the peace of God or the righteousness of God in our hearts is possible only under one condition. If we are clothed in the selective love of God and the selective love of God dwells in our hearts. The character of the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in the light of seven unearthly virtues. And all of them are written, as we know, in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. This is virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly love, and love. Each individual virtue of the fruit of virtue contains the characteristics of all other virtues because they flow from one another, fulfill one another, strengthen one another, and are found in one another. These virtues are the moral perfections and standards that are inherent to the essence of God that are given to us through Christ, which we must become enriched with. And we can enter into the inheritance of these virtues only by accepting the Holy Spirit as Lord and ruler of our life and the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. And by inheriting these great and precious promises, we are made partakers of God's essence. And so, seven qualities of virtue, knowledge, self-control, uh, patience, godliness, brotherly love, and love. In the first quality of virtue, reading the notes of our pastor, we have defined that this talks about the source of all good. The first quality, virtue. Here we were met with God who is the source of all good, because it is here where we must define for ourselves the source of all good. And in order to define the source, it is necessary for us to find the source. And where do we find it? It can be found only in the church that meets the requirements of the qualities of a good wife, and it is presented to us in the quality of narrow gates, of which scripture says that many will seek how to find, how to enter this church with their baggage, but will not be able to. Not all who have become once uh, sometime members of church will mean that they have entered through these narrow gates. People who have entered through these narrow gates, we should highlight that they have remained. I can talk about those saints that are here, about you. I can say that to this day, 
you have entered through the narrow gates. Later on, we will see who have entered because time, as we say, uh, does its work. Holiness does its work and it sows away people. But today I can comfort you. We have passed this exam and today we can characterize that we have walked through the narrow gates. And when we go through the narrow gates, we gain the Lord in this virtue, then we begin to learn of knowledge. Here, God teaches us what is good and what is evil. What is good and what is evil. Self-control, the third virtue, allows us to reject all that is called evil and select all of that which God calls good. Patience. Patience helps us to look at all of that which God calls good and wait for its fulfillment in our life. Godliness, in turn, not going far away from patience, reminds us that we must keep our sanctification through our, um, we must keep our dedication through our sanctification and sanctify ourselves daily so that no one may take our crown. Then we go to the quality of brotherly love and we, along, we go from the room of death to the uh, to the large room of eternal life. And then we arrive to love, agape love, which is the bond of all perfection, the coronation. Love of God, agape, will lead us to the heavenly groom, Jesus Christ, who in turn is going to lead us and show us before his heavenly father. So the heavenly father wants to see his daughter. And these qualities, beginning from virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly love, and love, they must lead us to Christ, who, along with us, with these uh, qualities, are going to be able to present us before Christ, and He will say, Truly the Word says that you have become perfect as I am perfect, your Heavenly Father. So the Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father is the most interested to see what the sacrifice of Christ can do, His death and resurrection, what the Word can do, what the Holy Spirit can do, whom He has sent to the earth in order to grow the church. And so the selective love of God that is expressed in the seven unearthly virtues and characteristics has nothing in common and cannot have anything in common with the nature of tolerant love that is filled with selfishness, ignorance, and inconsistency. And apart from the tolerant and selfish love of man, the selective love of God differs in that it carries the all-consuming zeal of God, His omnipotence, and His absolute wisdom that is impossible to use for selfish and ignorant reasons. It is the fruit of the selective love of God contained in the format of seven virtues that is called to reign the resurrection of Christ in our bodies and destroy the power of death. And again, reign the resurrection of Christ in our bodies and clothe them in the resurrection of Christ in the face of our new man. And so we are continuing to study brotherly love. This is the sixth quality that leads us from death into the state of life and resurrection. And before us were placed four questions where we needed to talk about the essence, uh, define the love of God agape, what conditions we must fulfill, and today we will answer the fourth question. This is, according to which signs should we test ourselves for the subject of demonstrating brotherly love in our faith? And today we will look at the sixth sign through which we uh, define that we have brotherly love in our faith. Do I have brotherly love? And this sixth sign, or the sixth fruit through which God tests for the presence of brotherly love in me, 
the sixth sign according to which we must test ourselves for the subject of love of God shown by us in brotherly love is according to the ability to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer with supplication and thanksgiving to make our requests known to God. Philippians chapter 4 verses 5 through 7, let your meekness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so, the character of the fruit of the Spirit that is expressed in the property of meekness is placed opposite of the works of the flesh. Here we talk about meekness as the fruit of the Spirit, and it is always placed opposite of the works of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 through 24. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires." The ability of the meek tongue to be anxious for nothing in the sphere of earthly well-being is opposed to the anxiety of a person whose lips are not bridled by the bonds of meekness. Anxiety leading to the breaking of our spirit are the genetic bonds of fear passed on to us through the sinful seed of our fathers which are bound by because we did not grow in the soil of our good heart the fruit of meekness. What is anxiety? It comes from stiffness. This kind of anxiety talks about the lack of the fruit of meekness in the spirit, which points to the bad soil of his heart, which he refused to cleanse from dead works. In order to accept and grow in the good soil of his heart, the fruit of meekness in the subject of the tree of life. As it is written, the Meek tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. And so here we see Pastor interestingly says that this quality of meekness, which is necessary in order to show brotherly love, it is found in the format of the fruit where? On the tree of life. But if a person is stiff, uh, a person is stiff ignorant, if someone that is ignorant has no faith of God, why? Because he did not begin from the elementary things. He did not cleanse his heart from dead works. And therefore, that word that he has heard, these uh, dead works, destroyed it, either transformed them into distorted truths. That's why it is necessary in order to grow, in order to grow this meekness, it is necessary to see it in the fruit of the tree of life. And so this can be observed when we compare the meanings contained in these two words that are opposite of one another according to their character and their origin. So, cares and meekness. Two words, and they are both placed opposite of one another. Let us take a look at the definition of cares. Cares that discover themselves in anxiety is disobedience, disbelief, disobedience to the faith of God, the tongue not being bridled by meekness, cult, stiffness, snares of the evil one, the path of death. Take a look at how cares are defined. Someone that is anxious. Everything begins 
from disobedience. From disobedience, this means what? That this person's heart is stiff. And what does it bring him to? What does a stiff heart bring him to? To ignorance that is expressed in disobedience that causes um, disbelief. Disbelief causes tongue not being bridled by meekness. This causes coldness. That causes stiffness. And all of this leads a person to the snares of the evil one and leads to the path of death. This is what anxieties or someone that is anxious has cares of this world. Here is presented how an anxious person begins from this quality of disobedience and ends uh, on the path of death. Let us take a look at meekness. What definitions are found in this word? Meekness discovering itself in a bridled tongue is the tree of life grown in the soil of the heart. It is the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. It is wisdom, strength, firmness, and power. It is trust in God, mercy, compassion toward our neighbor. They are the snares of the kingdom of heaven which we have caught ourselves up in. So take a look here. Here also begins the obedience to the faith that allows us to grow the tree of life, that allows us to trust in God and which allows us to be caught up in the snares of the kingdom of heaven. Take a look. Two opposing words here. And so the presence of the fruit of meekness in a person is evidence that this person is clothed in the dignity of a disciple of Christ, which gives him the ability to open his words for the proclamation of the faith of God. Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says that I am meek and humble in heart, and we can learn of this meekness from Christ. When? When we, along with him, take the burden or the yoke. This is a large yoke where there were two strong ox that were placed underneath. One had a will and the other one had a will, but one ox is now Christ and he is in an inclined state and he has bound himself by the word of God toward this yoke. He is waiting for this second ox who has also inclined and he is not stiff. Someone who is stiff, he cannot take upon the yoke of Christ because his neck is stiff. Stiff people can't take upon the yoke because what does the yoke of Christ begin from? Uh, one must bend his neck underneath this yoke and then uh, there are lots of belts to, to buckle himself and learn of the meekness of Christ. Whereas the presence of anxiety in the soul of a person is evidence of works of his flesh. We should depart from such people so that we do not lose what we worked hard for to inherit the kingdom of heaven in the fruit of the tree of life grown by us in the Eden of our heart. Second Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 5 But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. You will say, well... Here is listed the majority of Christians in churches. Yes, but the key phrase, 
those who have an outward form of godliness. All of this, all of these works are covered by an outward form of godliness. Those that have an outward form of godliness but deny its power, they have rejected God. It is from these people that we should turn away. These are characteristics of anxious people who refuse to acknowledge that they are bound by their corrupt desires, which they clothe in garments of pseudo-piety, so that they do not lose their significance and their own self-esteem. And in order to lose their significance and self-esteem among others, a person taking all of these qualities, he hides them under the form of godliness. These are dangerous people. Scripture says, depart from such. And to define in ourselves, not another, but in ourselves, the presence of meekness that discovers itself in trust in God and His Word, and waiting for the salvation of our body, it is necessary for us in brotherly love to pay attention to a specific phrase that where we can distinguish meekness from unbridledness. This is according to our ability to make a request known to God in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving under the condition that these requests according to their properties are bridled by the bridle of meekness which express the desires of God that are yielded by the will of God. So the presence of meekness is expressed when we make our requests known to God in prayer. When we ask, we ask with thanksgiving. Some will say, well, of course, with thanksgiving. I am. I ask God from a childhood with thanksgiving, Lord, thank you, I give you this. Thank you for giving me that. But here we're not talking about this thanksgiving. Here we are talking about we thank God for that which coincides to His will and that which is found in Christ Jesus. This is not just after, well, why don't you think? In America, I, I learned to say thank you for everything. I sat to say thank you, someone gives something thank you, someone did this, I say thank you, and this thank you, I'm astonished, <laughs> I've become so courteous in America. But this thank you and thanks to God does not draw, this, this thanks does not draw me near to God, I learned from my own experience. Thanksgiving is when we ask as Pastor said, we were talking about meekness, we were talking about anxiety, meekness, but a meek person acts only for that which is found in Christ Jesus and that is placed. Lord, I thank you that this quality, this thing, this promise is found in Christ Jesus and I accept this promise for my body and I withdraw it. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in my body until God fulfills this promise for us. But other things for which we say thank you and are not found in Christ Jesus, they're often not found in Christ, oftentimes. It is according to the presence of a grateful heart with thanksgiving that makes its request known to God for the fulfillment of the will of God, we should define in ourselves the quality of meekness. Because to turn the favor of God upon ourselves is possible when we in our praise offer our body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which gives God the basis to reveal and to affirm his salvation for us. Now, this thanksgiving that is presented, uh, this praise, praise and thanksgiving is a sacrifice in which my body is, uh, in which my body is embodied with. Psalms 49.23 Whoever offers praise glorifies me and to him who orders his conduct to right, I will show the salvation of God. 
from God's end to show us favor as an answer to our sacrifice of praise, this becomes for us a guarantee for the fulfillment of our salvation, and therefore it was necessary for us to remember, first, with what criteria does Scripture define the essence and status of the legitimacy of praise, which Scripture calls befitting praise? called to be a sign of brotherly love. Second, what purpose is befitting praise called to fulfill in worship to God, a sign according to which we can judge that we demonstrate in our faith the power of brotherly love? Third, what conditions are necessary to fulfill so that our praise gains the status of legitimacy, the sign according to which we can judge that we demonstrate in our faith the power of brotherly love? And fourth, by what results should we judge that praise that we offer God has a legitimate status, according to which we can judge that we demonstrate in our faith the power of brotherly love? Today we will answer the second and third questions, but uh, very quickly if we are reminded about the first question when we defined befitting praise, then Pastor began to very uniquely say that befitting praise is a praise that is befitting, that is uh, spoken correctly. And befitting praise, it intends for a person to create an atmosphere of heaven. It is impossible to praise God and to thank God unless we create an atmosphere of heaven at the place where we pray and we uh, create it not through some kind of feeling or emotion but through a correct prayer when we pray to God the Father through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit Jesus has said in his prayer uh, pray this way our Father in heaven let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven let your will be done on earth let your atmosphere on earth be just as it is in heaven therefore when we begin our prayer and we do not create a correct atmosphere because in heaven the atmosphere is god the father and they all speak uh, through in the format of a prayer and we must create an atmosphere of prayer and turn to who not to Jesus, but through Jesus. We must not speak with the Holy Spirit, but come by the power of the Holy Spirit and to create a correct atmosphere. And when we create this atmosphere through our correct proclamations, using this befitting praise, this is the first step. And then it was necessary for us to create an atmosphere of the kingdom of heaven. Where? In our heart. It is necessary to have a meek heart. It is necessary to have meek lips. Furthermore, it is necessary to affirm our partaking to the Israel of God. How is this done? Do you have a partaking to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to those promises which God has given to them, but which can be taken only through the Jew, Jesus Christ? And we thank God. And just as Abraham, we take this part from Abraham and we proclaim, calling the inexistent in the physical sense as existent that is placed in Christ Jesus, just as the Jews do today. So, throughout all the persecution, throughout all of the hatred, they continue to rejoice. Why? Because this small quality trait has been left. They know that the Father has promised to their fathers and He has never lied to them. And they rejoice. They know that finally the Messiah will come to them. We're not talking about other details, obviously, the negative details. We know them very well. But this trait that tells us how to partake ourselves to Israel. This is through Christ to receive access to the promise of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We must also have, and having defined befitting praise, we must have communication and to be partaking to the church of God. We can't uh, miss church without an exception. And of course, our praise must have mercy and it must have judgment. 
mercy for the vessels of mercy and judgment for the vessels of wrath. And all of this uh, was in befitting praise. Of course, there we talked about prayer and tongues, which Pastor had laid out in 12 components, what it carries in itself. And after he had laid that mystery out and that power that was found in this prayer and tongues, then he had shown that if there is no main definition of prayer, because prayer and tongues is when we speak our secrets to God, this is a mystery, but if we don't have a secret room in which we pray in our own language, then prayer and tongues will not have any kind of power. So talking about 12 uh, components of prayer and tongues, he reminded us, what is prayer itself? What is the secret uh, secretness of prayer? Where prayer must be brought up correctly to correct to be brought up with a correct atmosphere but with correct lips and where there must be mystery let us move on to the second question today that sounds like this what purpose is befitting praise called to fulfill in worship to God the sign according to which we can judge that we demonstrate in our faith the power of brotherly love and so the purpose of befitting praise the first purpose of befitting praise, revealing itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love, is called to clothe us in Christ Jesus when we, by submitting our faith to the faith of God, will come to the full measure of the stature of Christ. We are clothed in Christ. We come to the full measure of the stature of Christ through befitting praise, through a correct prayer. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6-10 through 10. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him, in Christ, was all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. To give the Holy Spirit the basis to place us in Christ Jesus, we need to, by searching, to find the narrow gate in the face of a good wife, in order to receive grace from the Lord, in order to receive grace from the Lord in the subject, again, we find, by way of searching, the narrow gate which is presented in the face of a good wife in order to receive grace from the Lord. And what is this grace expressed in? Grace for us is expressed in Christ Jesus in the Church of God in the subject of the intact truth of the reigning teaching of Christ, which represents a kind of congregation of saints in which is present the order of the kingdom of heaven in the format of theocratic ruling. It turns out that grace from the Lord is to have in the church of God with a divine order and with theocratic ruling to have the intact truth. Freedom. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It turns out that grace, when we enter through these narrow gates in order to give us information, in order to give us the truth about money, they are found in the truth. About health, they are found in the truth about prosperity, they are found in the truth. About promises, they are found in the intact truth. And therefore, we will thank God that we say, Lord, I thank you that you have allowed me to discover the narrow gates in the subject 
of this chosen remnant of God, and this grace that I have gained, this is the intact truth. Proverbs 18.22, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and attains favor from the Lord. Or, um, we will summarize, He who finds a good wife has found the intact truth. If we do not understand how to define the search for narrow gates in the face of a good wife through partaking to which the Holy Spirit places us in Christ Jesus, then this means that we have not yet accepted Christ Jesus in our heart through instruction and faith in the format of the reigning teaching of Christ. And therefore, we will not have understanding of how to walk in Him, having been rooted and affirmed in Him and strengthened in faith, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So here is this conclusion that our partaking to the Church of God it defines the presence of correct befitting praise in us. Why? Because we have the right to the intact truth. And this was the first component in the purpose of befitting praise. To have access to the intact truth. All right, how can we summarize the meaning of befitting praise? This is to receive access to the intact truth with which I can pray. The second component, or the purpose of befitting praise, revealing itself in the atmosphere, brotherly love, is called to give us the ability to continually dwell in the doctrine of the apostles, in fellowship with one another, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 42. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. And so, four things that Pastor had highlighted for us. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They continued steadfastly in fellowship with one another. They continued steadfastly in the breaking of bread. And they continued steadfastly in prayers. All of these qualities, they are tied with one another. Fellowship is, it's impossible to abide in fellowship in the abide in the apostles doctrine if we're not in fellowship with one another i have an opportunity to be in church and i am not here but i will listen on tv well friends let's not lie to ourselves let's not lie to ourselves these four components that pastor has written and that were offered in the apostles of doctrine they must be presented together to abide in the apostle doctrine pastor Arcadia will show us this means to have a living fellowship living fellowship with one another well okay if you are on the other country if you are across the sea in a different on a different continent all right The Lord sees a desire and He will make it so, so that that place that we are found in, the Lord will allow us to gain fellowship through this live translation with the virtuous wife. But when we are there where the church is and we use this incorrectly, then this means that we do not abide in the doctrine of the apostles. And therefore, if we do not have instruments in the subject of the information that we receive through instruction and faith in the format of the intact truth we will not be capable of first distinguish true apostles of Christ from false apostles and we will not be able to continue steadfastly in the doctrine of the apostles second we cannot have correct fellowship with one another because we will not understand who our neighbor is and third we will cannot continue steadfastly in the breaking of bread because we will not have knowledge about how to reason about the body of the Lord 
And fourth, we cannot continue steadfastly in prayers because we will not be taught what price is necessary to pay for the right to be a warrior of prayer, clothed in the dignity of a king, priest, and prophet, as well as what prayer is and how we ought to pray. All of these four components, let us once again read them. They must not be viewed and looked at without one another. They all go forth together. And so, four components to abide in the apostles' doctrines, to abide in living fellowship with one another. Third, to uh, abide in the breaking of bread. And fourth, to abide in prayers. If we lack something, we are not familiar with befitting praise. Third, the third purpose of befitting praise revealing itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love is called to give us the ability to make known the manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places to the angels of God. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. To me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him and so continuing steadfastly in the doctrine of the apostles and fellowship with one another in the breaking of bread and in prayer we represent the church of Christ and make known to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places the manifold wisdom of God so take a look here that it turns out then when we dwell in communication with one another, in the breaking of bread and in prayers then it is through these four components taken together, these angelic hierarchies for them, to them is made known the manifold wisdom of God. Sometimes people say, well, they try to intend, who are they trying to look into? What kind of communication of saints? Only that communication where there's the teaching of doctrines, where there is fellowship with one another, where there is correct breaking of bread, where each one discerns regarding the body of the Lord. We're talking about who is the Lord, what He has done for me, who I am, in Christ Jesus and what must I do to inherit all that God has prepared for me this is to reason and to abide in prayer as a warrior prayer when all of these four components are taken together in this kind of church and in this kind of relationship the angels can look and see in it the manifold wisdom of God or to see God the fourth purpose of befitting praise, revealing itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love, is called to give us the wisdom and ability through prayer to turn ourselves to the favor to turn upon ourselves the favor of God. Leviticus chapter one verses one through four. Now the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the livestock of the herd and of the flock. If his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a meal without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. We are talking about how I bring myself to the church in order to the fellowship with saints. We are presented here, brothers and sisters. We 
Let this sacrifice be a, a male without blemish to be brought to the door of the tabernacle. Then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. And so the image of the door of the tabernacle of meeting is a congregation of saints that has the dignity of narrow gates in the face of a good wife. It is the church in which the church in which there is the intact truth. The image of the burnt offering at the door of the tabernacle of meeting is an image of presenting our body as a living sacrifice, holy and accepting to God for our reasonable service. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So here it talks about how each of us must present our bodies as a sacrifice to God, as a living sacrifice. And when we, brothers turned to the apostle, they said, and therefore, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, under brethren, this meant that if you want to bring a sacrifice, let it be brought of the male gender. And these sacrifices of the male gender, without blemish, could be brought by children and by elders and by men and women, brothers and sisters. Here it talks specifically about this. This is that which is the purpose of befitting praise. The fifth purpose of befitting praise, revealing itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love, is called to, with God striking the rock of our hearts to make our heart in the flesh, so that out of it waters could gush out and streams of water could overflow. Psalm 78 verse 20. Behold, he struck the rocks so that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Under God, striking the rock should be viewed Jesus Christ, in whom God has placed us, and in the sufferings of Christ on the cross, in which we were cleansed from all filthiness, so that in the resurrection of Christ, he could give us a new heart and a new spirit, so that we could walk in his commandments and observe his statutes. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 24 through 28. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. And one more. John 4.14 But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. So here Pastor Akati has showed us how we have a stone of a heart of stone and then as, when we are born again we are born with a heart of stone. And here he has shown in the example of Ezekiel this psalm that 
heart of stone is this heart is in which idols are present, dead works that are present in our former way of life, but we had left them. We had cleansed our heart from all of these dead works, from all of these idols, for what? So that we can accept the intact truth and to grow the fruit of meekness in our hearts so that we can offer God a sacrifice of praise. Therefore, it would be best if we not have a heart of stone. A heart of stone cannot pray. We are talking about befitting praise. Befitting praise cannot be poured out of a heart of stone. We need to hit strike this heart of stone. And, of course, the Heavenly Father has hit along this heart of stone because He hit Christ. He struck Christ. And in order to contrite my heart, to break it, it was necessary. Imagine the hit that came on Christ in order to destroy the heart of stone in me. I had to be placed in Christ, and there was a strong striking by the Father on Christ, so that with this striking, this heart of stone can be removed. The hit went upon Him, and for me, this is my decision to cleanse my heart from all dead works, and from all idols that are present in the former way of life, and to prepare it for accepting the intact truth. For what? so that out of my heart could flow the sources of living water. The sources of living water, they come from a heart of flesh. Therefore, as I said, in my childhood, I couldn't understand. Why did the preacher say, even when I, I didn't understand fully and I grew upset at God, how do I have a heart of stone? I don't have a heart of stone. I have a pulse. And my heart is beating. I don't have a heart of stone. Who are you talking about? And I couldn't understand, does everyone have a heart of, doesn't everyone have a heart of flesh? I thought, and only now I begin to understand. It turns out that a heart of stone is a heart that is stiff. It is a heart in which is present dead works. The sixth purpose of befitting praise, revealing itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love, is called to open the mouth of the Lord in parables in the lips of His messengers that they, they could utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Matthew chapter 13, verse 35, that it might be fulfilled which, I was, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. So the Lord will open His lips in parables, and He, through parables, will reveal to us the things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Ministers that cannot open their lips in parables, in Proverbs, and a congregation of saints that cannot understand the things kept secret from the foundation of the world in parables and Proverbs has no relation to the partaking of a good wife that has the dignity of a narrow gate. And therefore, the praise of this person, this congregation, cannot be called befitting praise because it is not bridled with the bridle of meekness and cannot demonstrate its power in brotherly love. It's a very important thing here that the Lord wants to open for us to open. The Lord wants to open to us in parables what was hidden from the creation of the world what this is is the from the book of genesis we see the images laws and god says that through them i will make known the promise 
Why did pastor say here that ministers who cannot open their lips in parables and a congregation that cannot understand these things and does not want to understand these parables and proverbs, they cannot be presented in the status of a good wife that has a dignity of narrow gates. For the very reason that all of that which God has placed his mysteries that were hidden from the foundation of the world, he will open in his parables that promise that lies at the door of hope. Take a look. New Testament. One time, Brother Okade said, can you preach from here, from the New Testament? He says, I can't, uh, because this New Testament is an interpretation of the Old Testament. Well, preach from here. Preach from, oh, from only here. Well, take the New Testament and find for me the promise that lies at the door of hope. You won't find it. Because the promise that lies at the door of hope, it is necessary to see it in the Old Testament, in the parables, in the Proverbs. It is necessary to see that God wants to bring someone into the wilderness and there to speak with him. Uh, he will speak to her there. He will instruct her there, comfort her there, edify her. And then from this wilderness, he will give her her vineyards. And then he will give her the valley of Achor. When? At the door of hope. Offer this to people and say, what do you see here? They will say, I can't understand. Just beautiful phrases that are placed together, something beautiful, but I don't understand what it means. Well, that's why I say that it's very important that all those promises, including the promise that lays at the door of our hope, as well as the promise of hope. Hope is when Christ will come for his church. Our hope is Christ, our greeting with Christ on the clouds, which will be preceded by the promise that lies at the door of our hope. This is the reign of the power of life in the bodies of saints. All of this is possible when we understand, and if we understand, those revelations which God offers us in the church through the person who has access and who is able to open his lips in parables and proverbs and open to us these parables and proverbs because the Lord has hidden all of his promise, including rapture. People will say, well, rapture, rapture, where? Where specifically in the New Testament is rapture? Okay, a few places of scripture. Uh, pastor sees in every book Every every phrase he sees this from even starting the book of Gen Genesis. And Apostle Paul and the other apostles were based on these parables and proverbs from Genesis. The seventh component or of the purpose of befitting praise revealing itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love is called to, through the preached word of truth, to proclaim for us the manifestation of liberty from debt and slavery to all things depended on. Leviticus 25.10 And you shall consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to its, all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his possession, and each of you shall return to his family. So, saints, this is a proverb. This is a parable. It must be interpreted. Let us read. The image of governing over the portion of our land which we are called to govern is our body, freed from the power of the old man with his works, through the acceptance of the Holy Spirit as the Lord and ruler of our life, revealing the meaning of the perfect law of liberty contained in our heart. Offer a person, can you in one phrase tell me what the 
uh, Jubilee feast is for you. Please define me, define for me the 50th year. Well, I can pray in tongues, someone will say. No, give me a definition of the 50th year. 50th year, when the Lord returns to us, our land, let us read once again what this 50th year means for us. For us, the image of governing over the portion of our land which we are called to govern is our body, freed from the power of the old man. So the 50th year is our body that is freed from the power of the old man with his works. Through what? Through the acceptance of the Holy Spirit. How do we accept him? As Lord and ruler of our life. Why? Because he will make known the significance of the perfect law of liberty that is contained in our heart. James chapter 1 verse 25, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. The eighth purpose of befitting praise, revealing itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love, is called to, in our heart, resurrect from the dead the dead promises that are called to become in our body the power of eternal life. Ezekiel chapter 37 verses 1 through 6. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Take a look. The Lord begins to speak through a parable. This is his, this is his signature. So I answered, O Lord God, you know. He says, you know it. And again, he said to me, prophecy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus the Lord God, thus is the Lord God to these bones. Surely I will cause you, cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. When we submitting our faith to the faith of God and the information of the word of truth preached to us, when we begin to call the inexistent promise as existent, the Holy Spirit receives the basis to resurrect them in our bodies out of death. So take a look. When we begin to proclaim them, and when he asked him, Do these bones live? The Lord said, Begin to proclaim the word of God. Begin to speak. O dry bones, listen to the word of God. We begin to call the inexistent as already existent. That which is found in Christ Jesus. We see that this promise is found in God, in Christ Jesus. And because it is found in Him, then it gives us the right to turn to these dry bones. That's why this promise is found in God. But in order... Not, it is not found for every person in God. In order for it to be found in God, it is necessary to coincide to Ezekiel. You will say, well, forgive me. If Ezekiel is a person who submits his faith to the faith of God. This is the quality of Ezekiel. I didn't talk about the ability to create many signs and wonders. Ezekiel is a person whose faith submits to the faith of God. That is all. What did the prophet do? He says, Lord, I do not know, are they living or not? Tell me what to do. 
he says prophecy. He says, okay, and he began to turn to the bones, and there uh, was a great army that arose. The prophet revealed himself in obedience. How did this express itself in obedience to go to the land which he received as an inheritance, not knowing where he was going? This is what Abraham had done. And he looked and he waited for the city whose builder and maker is God. A whole st- all the steps of Abraham was obedience, 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 Ezekiel, obedience. This was the second question. Let us take a look at the third question that sounds like the following. What conditions are necessary to fulfill so that our praise that is bridled with the bridle of meekness could gain a legitimate status in demonstrating in our faith the power of brotherly love? And so, there are certain conditions, there's a certain price in order for us to have praise, a legitimate praise, lawful praise. The first condition giving us the right to power to utter praise bridled with the bridle of meekness which gives us the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith it is to be taught the statutes of god that regulate the order of sequence upon observing his commandments psalms 119 verses 171 through 172 my lips shall utter praise for you teach me your statutes my tongue shall speak of your word for all your commandments are righteousness the key to understanding the strategy of praise bridled with the bridle of a ming tongue in this prayer image is found in the meaning of the word teach. So, my lips will utter praise when when you will teach me your statutes. Teach, the key word, the Lord must teach us. He must teach us so that our praise could be befitting, where we can't ourselves be taught. He says, when you, Lord, will teach me not when I read some kind of brochure about faith. This doesn't exist in God. Teach. It includes the following semantics. We'll send a teacher and instructor. Learn to be a disciple according to the statutes of the Lord. Learn from the statutes of the Lord to pay a price for discipleship. Be taught to act within the limits of the statutes of the Lord. Be instructed on the path of the statutes of the Lord. Be prepared to fulfill the statutes of the Lord. And be taught to praise the statutes of the Lord. If you've paid attention, then in this word, to teach, here we see our role as well as the role of God. Of course, the Lord says, I will send a teacher you will be edified, you will be taught by these statutes. Here it also talks about us, how we must be disciples of the Lord according to His statutes, to open our heart, to be prepared to fulfill the statutes of the Lord. The word to teach, the Lord has said, I have done it from my end. If you will do something on your end, if you will become a disciple and will be prepared to fulfill the statutes that and the word that I offer you. This is the word to teach. If a person is not taught the statutes that highlight in what order to offer a sacrifice of praise, his sacrifice will not meet the requirements of befitting praise. A prayer cry that does not present evidence in the subject of what is asked for and in which is not weaved praise for deliverance and security will remain without an answer. To understand the statutes that highlight 
how to offer a sacrifice of praise and how to observe our path is impossible with our intellect. And if a person does not understand and does not acknowledge this fact and does not testify about this before God, his praise will stand far from befitting praise. As it is written, Psalms 119 verses 169 through 170. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Says, He says, teach me and I will praise you. Here he says, a little deeper, give me understanding. Here we see the second verb, after we are taught, then we will be given understanding. Lord, according to your word, give me understanding. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. In Hebrew, the verb give understanding, which is used by David in relation to the legitimacy of his cry before God, highlights the correct state of his heart, and we have 12 different shades that flow from one another and fulfill one another. So, to give understanding means to test and understand the will of God, to ponder upon the mystery of this hidden word, to allow God to pass along his understanding, to gain the ability to distinguish good from evil, be prepared to heed the word of God, be instructed on the path of righteousness, ponder upon what has occurred and tie it to the future, be understanding of the events and times, be taught regarding caring for and taking care of the word received, gain wisdom, milking the explanation of the reasons for what is happening, act prudently and wisely, be able to expand the limits of your inheritance. So take a look here. Two verbs we taught. Taught I am a disciple and I prepare myself for fulfilling the word of God. The Lord in this verb sends me a teacher who begins to give understanding to in my heart. I have been in church. I have accepted this church in my heart. I am taught. But regarding its uh, regarding befitting praises a little too early premature to talk about now we come to the second verb give understanding to be lord allow me to understand what pastor has wrote here he says take the notes and now we begin to together ponder upon what we have heard and i begin to expand the limits of my inheritance how through uh, pondering upon that word that i've accepted not just been taught accepted in the heart but now this teaching brings us to understanding. Now, Lord, that which I have accepted in my heart, this depth, I want to understand it. I want to uh, understand this truth. I want to, with this truth, renew my thinking. You have taught me. Now, give me understanding. He says, I will give you understanding together with you. Now, let's together study what we are talking about, What, are, which is what we are doing right now. What we are doing right now, we're not being taught. When pastor went through these sermons, he had taught us. Why? God says, I will give you someone who will, um, he will speak the word and he will give you the Father. Then the waterers in cell groups and in our prayer services, they are going to then give understanding to these truths. I am not teaching. To teach means to have the word, to have the seed. But what do I do? I give, I uh, help give understanding. Uh, give understanding to my mind because if I am taught but I if I am do not have understanding to I can't have befitting praise befitting praise offers us so that there is a Japheth so that Japheth can dwell in the tents in the tents of Shem and then Ham is going to be a servant to him the body will be a servant so what are we doing now in our prayer services 
or when saints have cell groups, we allow our Japheth, our mind, to dwell in the tents of Shem. For what? So that Ham could be our eternal servant, so that our body could be a servant, and we can give our members up to be members of righteousness. And so to give a sacrifice of praise according to these statutes, we must... According to the Hebrew version of strong, I will again remind you of the meaning of the word praise in relation to the statutes of God, which contains in itself the following meanings. Praise is evaluation of the deeds performed by God. It is releasing the glory of God hidden in His statutes. It is demonstration of the virtues of the statutes of God. It is honoring the word of God hidden in His statutes. It is glorification of the wisdom found in the statutes of God. It is a hymn of praise to the words of God reflected in His statutes. The manifestation of the power of God proceeding from the statutes of God. Of course, to arrive to this kind of prayer, to this kind of hymn, to this kind of power of God is possible when I am taught. And then when I am given understanding, now I have this befitting praise. Now this befitting praise, I have a legal, legitimate right to speak of this praise. I was taught, and now I am given understanding of the truth. Then I proclaim that truth that I was taught and then I begin to discern, and the Holy Spirit begin to open the truth so that I can, with my meek lips, proclaim this truth. Taught, given understanding, praise befitting. The purpose of praise is comprised in activating and releasing the treasures contained in our heart in the statutes of God from the invisible sphere to the visible sphere. And this kind of transformation is called by God to be realized through the proclamation of the faith of our heart and is highlighted by the phrase, My lips shall utter praise, for you teach me your statutes. Or rather, my lips shall utter praise when your statutes will dwell in my heart and become the belonging of my heart. I will remind you that the phrase, my lips shall utter praise after you teach me your statutes, means they will be with the stream or the key of life, will flow like a stream in the direction of your heart, will utter the mystery from the creation of the world, will proclaim your freedom, will confirm your commands, will walk around the inheritance affirmed by you, will act according to the commandments of the statutes, will release the life hidden in your statutes, will conduct a dialogue with you based on your statutes, and will act under the influence of the power of your statutes. And these are hidden the components of the price for the right to utter befitting praise that is able to gush out as waters of life from our heart in the direction of the heart of God. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace, they will add to you. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen, to the glory of God through us. So this is an interesting component that we have read about how we receive access to befitting praise that which i have understood if i am if someone asks me what have you understood i have understood that i must be taught 
the statutes of God of the intact truth that I am given understanding by pondering upon uh, the statutes of God and then when I have penetrated into them then I begin to praise God and this praise is going to be befitting praise the second condition giving us the right to utter praise bridle with the bridle of meekness which gives us the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith is a necessity too with the cross of the Lord Jesus to be separated from our nation the house of our father and our carnal life Psalms 45 verses 10 through 11 Listen, O daughter, consider and incline your ear. Forget your own people also and your father's house. The king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord. Worship him. And so here for us are presented four verbs. Listen, consider, incline, and forget. Firstly, the fulfillment of these four requirements in the cooperation of the carrying of our cross with the cross of Christ magnifies our purpose into the status of legitimacy, which gives us the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith. Secondly, fulfillment of these four requirements in the cooperation of the carrying of our cross with the cross of Christ gives us the ability to, with the law, die to the law in order to live for God, to give Christ the ability to live in our heart. Galatians chapter 2, verses 19 through 20. For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Thirdly, fulfillment of these four requirements and the cooperation of the taking up of our cross with the cross of Christ abolishes the power of the old man over our soul and body and gives us the ability to be freed from the law of marriage. Of course, we mean with the old man. Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 4. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? For the woman who has a husband, we are talking about the soul of a person, is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives, which we mean the old man. But if the husband, old man, dies, she, or soul, is released from the law of her husband. So that if while her husband lives, she marries another man for Christ, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, the old man, she is free from the law, so that she is no longer no adulteress, though she married another man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. So, listen, incline, consider, and forget. These words are in relation to the bride of the Lamb, and they bring to death the old man. So the old man can die only when the soul dies. It is impossible to uh, bring the old man to death without death to the soul. He doesn't want to die. He's a spiritual substance. But he has one small con. He is tied by one rope, our soul. And he called on to our soul and says, You are bound to me by the law. I am your lawful husband. And then when they're told, See this, this rope that ties you to the old man? It can be destroyed. How? Jump. Jump in the death of the Lord Jesus. But I will die. Well, of course, yes, you will die. You will die. But if you are united with Christ in his death, you will be united with him in his resurrection. You, O soul, will arise. The old man will not get back up. This for him is a small uh, con because our old man is tied to our soul in one rope and he doesn't want us to know about this. He doesn't want us to know that in order to be freed from him is possible when we go through the Dead Sea. 
what the Egyptians had done. They had drowned. When they had went to the bottom, they were not able to go back up. So the old man and all of that will be left on the bottom, where in the death of the Lord Jesus. Therefore, to wait till the husband dies, this won't happen until the soul dies. When the soul dies, along with it dies the old man. And here, our marital contract is is uh, then abolished. If we do not go through death, then we will be under lawful obligations to our husband, and we will, will not have a right to marry Jesus Christ. This will be adultery, and Jesus Christ is not an adulterer. The third condition, giving us the right to power to utter praise, bridled with the bridle of meekness, which gives us the power to demonstrate brotherly love, in our faith is a necessity to love righteousness and its carriers and hate lawlessness and carriers of this lawlessness. Psalms 45, verses 7 and 8. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Psalms 45, verses 6 through 8. With this, it should not be forgotten that God's love and His hatred is bound by the word that comes from His lips. Another place, Pastor interestingly wrote that uh, the love of God as well as hatred, they are not uh, feelings or emotional. This is the decision, the rational decision that is based on the word of God. Psalms chapter 11, verses 5 through 7. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous, he loves righteousness, his countenance beholds the upright. So, to love and to hate means to not use our emotions, but to use the truth and to be based on the commandments of the Lord. The fourth condition, giving us the right to power to utter praise, bridled with a bridle of meekness, which gives us the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith, is a necessity to pay a price for clothing ourselves in righteousness by faith, just as Abraham had done. Romans chapter 4, verses 13 through 25. For the promise that he would be the heir of peace was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs... Faith is made void, and the promise made of no effect, because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, in the presence of him whom he believed. God, who gives life to the dead and calls those which did not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope and hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he 
was also able to perform and therefore was counted to him for righteousness. That was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the death, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. The righteousness of our faith is comprised of the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, in which we, firstly, consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God, and as Abraham we call the non-existent promise regarding the government of the land of our body as existent, and secondly, calling the inexistent promise about the multiplication of ourselves in the fruit of our spirit, so Isaac, looking upon the stars of our heaven and on the sand of our sea. So it is necessary to look upon the word of God, the promise, to continually listen to it, listen to it, listen about this promise. What for? What did Abraham do? He looked upon the stars and he looked at the sand. This is to never leave our assembly, to look upon these stars and to look upon this grain of sand, these revelations that are going to tell us about our inheritance, about the promise that relates to the door of our hope. And scripture says that he had dwelled in this and he was... Um, steadfast in his faith and he believed in hope he contrary to hope in hope believed what is this expressed in this is what it says here contrary to hope in hope believed he did not look he did not in the presence of him who believed God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did who contrary to hope in hope believed Nothing told him that we would be the father of many nations. He tried to fix this position when he took his servant. He wanted to help God. He had the last hope. The Lord said, I can't do something to this hope. I need to do above hope when all the trust, all what you rely on will die. Hope and trust must die. Firstly, Sarah was barren. Secondly, she was old. Third, Abraham, although he became old, he became incapable. In all spheres, everything died. The promise continued to live. I understand if the Lord would give the promise to a young man that I am going to produce, he would believe in this hope. But when God gives a promise, and in all spheres, everything says of the opposite, then we against of what we hope for we s w begin to call the inexistent as existent it's good to thank god for healing when i am healthy it's difficult to thank him when i'm very sick there's a difference right it's good to think when there is a lot of money in the pocket and how can a person thank god for freedom from from different kinds of curses so he believed with hope. He had held on to hope, although everything told him of the opposite. And all his physical uh, surroundings, it spoke against to what he proclaimed. Every day in his physical life said, this is not so, this will not be, this is impossible. And he said, this is so, and this will be, and this is what I proclaim. And the difficulty was not, okay, I could take this promise somehow, but what is the curiosity in this? Now I need to also uphold my wife in this proclamation. Sarah, 
I was also in this dead state and the promise that Abraham had held on to and that was in this state the person now he must not just build his faith now he must also build the faith of Sarah and Sarah to build it with him so here was as we see this is everything in the physical spoke against and they against all that was visible proclaimed the word of God holding on to only the information they looked at only the information that God told them and this has a certain price let us read another place of scripture this is Genesis chapter uh, 15 verses 1 through 11 1 through 18 there's a price to pay for the proclamation when we call the inexistent as existent. There is a large price. Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 18. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. He said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So he said to him, bring me. Now we're going to the sacrifice. So take a look. Uh, despite the fact that he believed God. Now this whole faith, this capability of calling the inexistent as existent. He looked, saw, believed. Now he needed to, through a sacrifice, a befitting praise to pay a price. We're talking about what praise does a sacrifice have? This is his price. Lord God, how shall I know that I will hear it? So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, and three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought all these to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed them each opposite the other, and he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years and also the nation whom they serve I will judge afterward they shall come out with great possessions now as for you you shall go to your fathers in peace you shall be buried at a good old age but in the fourth generation they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete and it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark that behold there appeared, appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces on the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying dear descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river of the river Euphrates here we see that the Lord does all through the sacrifice. When we proclaim and when we call the inexistent as existent, as Abraham had done, we will meet with this darkness and this horror if we present to God a correct sacrifice. And this sacrifice is a befitting praise unto God, which we offer to God, where God passes through with His fire.
The fifth condition giving us the right to power to utter praise bridle with the bridle of meekness, which gives us the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith, is the ability to surround the inheritance of our hope given to us in Christ Jesus and from Christ Jesus. Joshua 6, 1-3 Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your land. It's a king. And the men, mighty men of valor, you shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. They, this you shall do six days. On the seventh day, you shall walk around the city seven times. And the priests let them blow their trumpets after which they cried out and the walls of Jericho fell. And here the Lord offers us to walk around our inheritance and to walk after the priests that have the Jubilee trumpets. Having these Jubilee trumpets, it was necessary to walk around one day and the priests had to quietly carry the Jubilee trumpets. And the seven priests, Jericho couldn't understand anything. Priests with trumpets, there's complete silence. Six days they go once around Jericho, full silence. No one is crying out loud because the priests do not blow the trumpets. But at the seventh time, scripture says, you will walk around the city seven times and the priests let them blow their trumpets. And after they, when the time came to take this promise, the priests begin to blow the trumpets. They says, now all of Israel, let them cry out and proclaim this accepted preached word. Then the walls of Jericho fell. There was a time when silently we'll walk around Jericho. Today we see how the priests begin to blow this trumpet, this promise, and we are found in the seventh day. The priests are not silent. We see from this place of scripture that this seventh day we are walking around the city seven times. We need to walk around seven times around Jericho. And the priests are blowing the trumpet, blowing and blowing. And then the Lord will say, cry out the whole church. And when the church cries out, then this promise is going to be accepted. The sixth condition giving us the right to utter praise, bridle the bridle of meekness, is comprised of the decision to gather bread from heaven according to the law of God. Exodus chapter 16, verses 4 through 5. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And in one more place, John chapter 6, verses 27 through 41. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the fruit which endures to everlasting life, which a son of man will give you, because of God the Father has set his seal on him. And they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then, that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, 
Give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet did not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. Now I raise him up at the last day. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And so one more, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1-6. through 6. Moreover, brethren, I do not want to, you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food. And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. All ate, all drank, but God was not well pleased with a lot of them. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Therefore, we are going to thank God for that revelation, that word that we have. And we will feed from this revelation and offer God befitting praise. May be blessed in your prayers. Let us pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you. We thank you for the great privilege to be found in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. We thank you, Lord, that you numerously have shown us your mercy upon this place and that you have taught us through your messengers your truths. We thank you that you have allowed us to enter through these narrow gates in order to gain grace, grace in the format of the intact truth. And we ask you, Lord, to continue, continue to teach us your revelations, your statutes, your laws. Allow us to accept this word and place this intact truth in our heart. And we today make the decision to ponder upon this truth, to surround these promises and to proclaim these promises with our meek lips. You have allowed us to grow the fruit of meekness in the tree of life, in our heart, in the Eden of our heart. We thank you that you have previously cleansed us from all idols, from all dead works, from all of that which was present in the former way of life so that we can serve the one living God. We thank you that we today have made the decision to set aside all evil and to do all of that which you call good. We thank you for that truth that we have heard, and we accept this bread that has come from heaven, and through a relationship toward that bread that you give, we gain grace before your holy countenance. We acknowledge, Lord, that you, Christ, are this bread that has come from heaven. And you are the fullness of the Godhead. And allow us 
to come to the full measure of the stature of Christ and to the perfect man. Allow us, Lord, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God for reasonable service. Allow us, Lord, to offer befitting praise that could satisfy the questions of your eternal holiness. And for this, Lord, continue to teach us, and we are going to be taught your truths and proclaim your truths. We thank you for the right to dwell in the doctrine of the apostles. We thank you for this living fellowship where we can come and be found in the atmosphere of brotherly love. We thank you, Lord, that we have the right to be partakers of your body and your blood. And we proclaim you, who you are to us. You, Lord, are our salvation. You are our Savior. You, Lord, are our shield. You are our strength. You are our protection. And we, Lord, trust in you. We cry out to you. And you, Lord, send your protection to us hastily. We ask you to continue to cover us with your revelations. We pray for your reigns that you can pour out your revelations upon us so that you can continue to feed us with your mana. And we are going to express our favor before your holy countenance, bowing down before that word that we hear, accepting it, keeping it in our heart, being given understanding to this word, magnifying you with this word of God, praising you. And we ask you, Lord, may this manna that comes from heaven be given to our pastor, for us, for your church. We thank you. We thank you for this intact truth and for this grace that we have found and that we have gained having been found in this place. And we ask you, Lord, to continue to help us grow ourselves in this grace, in this intact truth, so that we can meet with you. We thank you for all of those promises around which we walk. We thank you for this jubilee. We thank you for these trumpets of the priests. We thank you that you are continuing to give us understanding today of your promises. And we, Lord, are walking. We are walking in the path of your priests. There will come a time when the walls of Jericho will fall. There will come a time when the bones that are dry will become alive. And we wait. Lord, we wait for this moment and we proclaim, let the resurrection of Christ reign in our perishable bodies. Let it be affirmed in us as it was affirmed in our spirit and our soul. Let this be, this life, this resurrection, this promise be affirmed also for our bodies. May your name be blessed, our almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us and deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We will conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, 
be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.